0: Hello, this is David Gork, Head of Public Policy at McFarland's, and welcome to the latest of our Policy in Practice podcasts. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Rachel Richardson, uh, Head of ESG. This is her first podcast since assuming uh, that title. So, uh, Rachel, welcome. Uh, yes. And also Dominic Seggi, who has the hugely impressive title of Head of Knowledge. So, Dominic, the all knowing uh, oracle. Uh, on all subjects. And today we are going to talk about the Better Business Act, an idea that has been talked about quite a lot at the moment, uh, and to discuss what it means and how it might work and uh, whether this is a useful development or not, Um, I'm joined, as I say, by Rachel and Dominic. So, Rachel, to kick us off, broadly tell us, what is the Better Business Act?
1: Thanks, David. And um, so broadly speaking, it's a proposal to amend the Companies Act 2006 to provide that the duty of a director of all companies in the UK is to both promote the purpose of the company whilst operating it in a manner that benefits the members, wider society and the environment. Um, it, so it sort of adds this implied purpose that, that as well as to benefit its members as a whole, companies will also benefit society and the environment. But importantly, that's in a manner commensurate with the size of the company, um, but additionally reduces harm to that company, and, and, and those that, to to society. And that, that harm is often referred to as a negative externality.
0: Is this sort of taking us much further on, on what we currently have, um, Dom? Uh,
2: in some ways, yes. In, in some ways, no. Um, it's probably worth just setting uh, setting the scene a little bit and talking about what section 172 currently says, I know a lot of our listeners will be familiar with it, but I think it's worth going through it. Um, section 172 is uh, one of seven sections in the Companies Act that effectively imposes duties on company directors to act in a particular way, if, if the directors transgress those duties then they have a liability to the company uh, and can be held to account. One seven, they're all equal, but 172 is the one that people focus on, uh, perhaps most frequently. It says broadly that a director of a company uh, has to act in a way that, in good faith, they think would be most likely to promote the company's success for the benefit of the company's members. And, and there is a very much an emphasis on the benefit to the members. It goes on to set out various factors that the directors can take into account, in fact, have to take into account when discharging uh, that duty. Those include uh, the consequences of decisions in the long term, the interests of the company's employees, uh, the need to foster good business relationships. Um, critically in this context, um, the impact of the company's operations on the community and the environment. And I think I think, linked to that uh, in, in an ESG, a broader ESG context, um, the need to maintain uh, a reputation for high standards of business conduct. There's also a need to act fairly between the members of the company. But importantly, those are one could say subsidiary to the primary purpose, which is to act in the ben- uh, for the benefit of the members. Uh, and for a commercial company, that is generally interpreted as meaning accreting value for the company. Um, interestingly, Section 172 does allow a company to put different or greater, broader purposes into its constitution. And we do see that with not-for-profit and charitable companies, but also for companies, for example, that look to obtain B Corp status. Um, So so in some senses, 172 already does what the Better Business Act, or can do what the Better Better Business Act is seeking to achieve. I think perhaps the perceived problem is that in practice, it's rarely applied in that way. And most commercial companies will not modify Section 172. They will just follow it as it's set out in statute. And that inevitably, um, just because of the weight of case law and history and, and commercial expectations of investors, means uh, focusing on
0: the members and focusing on effectively profit accumulation. So this is essentially hardening the the, the uh, responsibilities to to those outside interests. Is that fair to say?
2: I think that's the idea. Um, when you look at the drafting that the Better Business Act have put together, um, it's it's interesting because it it
0: it's no, it, that, that, that doesn't that sounds damning with faint praise. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> you you slightly questioning the the, the the drafting. I think there's a question of whether it quite achieves what
2: is being set out to be achieved. Um, so, as I say at the moment, we have this core purpose to benefit the members, and then we have these subsidiary factors which the directors have to have regard to, but they don't have to slavishly follow those. Those are merely um, elements that need to come into their thinking when taking decisions. What the proposed wording that's been put forward by the Better Business Act would do, and I think it is worth noting that this is very early stage proposed drafting. Inevitably, if, if this gains momentum and goes anywhere, then the wording will be refined. But it it substitutes the purpose of benefiting the members with this broader purpose. As Rachel says, to benefit the members as a whole, that's retained, but also operating in a manner that benefits wider society and the environment. And that, you know, it's greater than that, but that's that's the the main impetus. That, to me, is sort of creating an intermediate uh, set of considerations that to some degree, still have to be fit within the concept of benefiting the members of a, as a whole, but are not merely factors to be raised and discussed and then you know, either discarded because they don't carry significant, significant enough weight or, or, or brought within the decision making. It's sort of saying that if you don't operate in a manner that benefits wider society and the environment, you are not pursuing the proper purpose and arguably are not fulfilling your duty. But it's certainly not usurping the, the purpose of, of benefiting members.
1: I mean, there is an argument to suggest that, that that you shouldn't need it at all. So so I would argue that it is just good for business if directors do already consider stakeholder interest properly. And you see, um, you know, with, with, with companies seeking um, B Corp accreditation, as, as Dom has already mentioned, that they are doing that to do some good, but also because they think it does make good business sense. And um, we've also got various examples of m- really material adverse ESG events which are often widely reported in the press, causing really significant disruption to the bottom line. Um, for various reasons such as loss of consumers, um, loss of customers, loss of turnover. Loss of shareholder appetite, um, appetite for, 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 for debt funders, um, really resulting in, in, in various adverse economic outcomes, which I think represents a decline in value, which is negative for shareholders. So there would be some people, perhaps it's an idealistic um, view of the way that companies are currently being operated. But I think there's certainly a good argument to suggest that, that this should not be needed
2: I, I, th- I think that's absolutely right, actually. Um increasingly, we're living in a world where um the ESG credentials of a company go directly to the value of the company and they go directly to investors' decisions whether to take securities in that company. So to some degree, purely by you know the reshaping of the, of the of the the framework for investing in companies, um, this is taken into account. But there is clearly a feeling that in some quarters, the current wording is not doing enough and, and there's a need to bolster it in some way.
0: So, I mean, I suppose proponents of this would argue, well, this is kind of properly embedding ESG into the purposes of the company. And particularly those companies that don't take ESG as seriously, then uh, this will, will 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 strengthen it. Rachel, your argument is it makes sense on commercial grounds to, to look seriously at ESG and to take that into account. Uh, and, and therefore, do you need a, a, an act to kind of back that up?
1: Yeah, I suppose that the, the flip side to that is that um, some are embedding ESG, some really aren't. And so I suppose w- w- we as a society have accepted that that we think that some things are more important than profit. Um, we don't have a totally free market economy because of that. Markets and businesses are not completely self-correcting. They are in part. Um, And that's why we have law and policy and regulation. Um, To use some examples, things like anti-modern slavery laws... Minimum wage requirements, um, regulation around disposal of waste materials, um, TCFD reporting, um, to quote a, a fairly recent example, um, various other um, law and regulations that, that, that we as society say we think are more important to adhere to than just shareholder profits. Um, However, I suppose there will always be gaps in that. And um, uh, regulators, um, they have a certain um, amount of capacity to regulate. Um, Often law and regulation comes in as a result of um, an adverse event um, and their law and regulation cannot completely cover everything at all times. So I suppose there's an argument that, that you need something like this to push directors um, to consider all all of these wider stakeholders to sort of fill those gaps in in a way.
0: But uh, let, let me um, well let me make the counter argument to that. Yeah. Um, which is look, you know, directors um, have you know, limited knowledge, limited area, areas of expertise. They know how to run a business. They're not politicians. There are conflicting interests, conflicting rights what about the argument that look politicians governments parliaments should make the laws put the regulators in place uh if there are public policy objectives then use regulation use the tax system whatever it might be the levers available to government to do that and then let businesses acting within the law do what businesses are actually better suited to do which is you know run that business provide goods or services to their customers to do that as efficiently as possible and and just kind of keep the focus and 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 you know in reality as you say Rachel um you know businesses actually do need to take into account ESG matters because you know there are it it, it leaves them exposed to risks consumer behavior consumer attitudes a whole host of of of, of matters but broadly you know let businesses be businesses and 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 not have you know confusing burdens placed on them that they don't know quite what they're doing i, I that's that's the argument against it. what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah so i think i think to to come back to a couple of your points um i i think it i think it will be hard to to, to balance these these particular interests i I also think um that 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 however we, businesses should be allowed to operate in a relatively free manner. however, there are various examples that are cropping up things like the opioid crisis in the u s um i think many would argue that um, that that perhaps the the drug companies who were making those opioids um, didn't if they had if they had something in their constitutional documents that really required them to think about the consequences of the products that they were selling, that might prevent certain situations like that. So so I, I have lots of sympathy with your argument, David. But but I suppose this is trying to fill those gaps of things that policy just doesn't know about yet. We we don't know that these things are gonna are gonna occur in the future. So. Um, Hopefully this will seek to achieve that if it ever comes into the Companies act of course
0: so, so how, how's it going to be enforced how how um if I'm a director of a company how how you know how how, how, how am I going to be tested on my decisions and you know am I going to be second guessed every time I sort of say well I'm going to concentrate on this issue here or you know, who's, who's telling me if I haven't? I mean, this reminds me of my previous life when, you know, the threat of judicial review um, all the times with sort of ministerial decisions. You know, have I not properly given enough weight to this factor or that factor? How's it, how's it going to work here?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I suppose on one level, it's just via the actual decisions that companies take. So, um, if they are operating in a manner that um, that is that, that fulfills their directors' duties, it would they can just evidence that they are fulfilling those duties just just by way of them performing um, their their directors' duties. Um, but I suppose what I would expect would be these decisions to be documented um, more specifically in board meeting minutes. Um, So I would expect to see stakeholders more specifically mentioned. On one level, I suppose um, we will see evidence of this change of behaviour via the actual decisions that companies take. Um, And typically we would see decisions that directors take to be documented in board meeting minutes. I'd expect to see these stakeholders more specifically mentioned and considered in those board meeting minutes going forwards. but I, and I suppose for larger companies there are different requirements for them. Dom, do you want do you want to cover that bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> firstly, I agree completely that it is um, very much standard when when uh, putting together uh, minutes of a board meeting of a company to recite how the directors have considered their duties, um, in particular Section One Seventy Two. And so, to the extent that changes, there will be more specific minuting of that inevitably. To make sure the directors have covered off this wider purpose, if this were to come in. Um, I suppose the question around enforcement is a tricky one, uh, because as framed and, and as it would be amended, this remains a duty of the directors to the company. And it's a principle of company law that where a director breaches their duty to a company, it is the company itself which has the right to bring legal proceedings against the director. It is the company itself which has suffered the wrong and any potential loss. And any recovery goes to the company. So that naturally creates an obstacle because if the board are generally speaking at one, or certainly there is a significant majority on the board for a particular course of action, which it's then perceived later may not have been commensurate with this new purpose it's unlikely the board is going to bring proceedings against itself so that represents the first difficulty in enforcing this there is uh, an ability for shareholders to utilize this section to bring actions directly against directors that is possible there's a process known as a statutory derivative claim which effectively allows a shareholder to seize proceedings on behalf of the company and sue the directors they're not easy to bring, uh, not least because a court has discretion to say, we're not going to allow the claim. If broadly speaking, a director who is complying with Section 172 would not themselves have brought it. So you can, if you're not careful, get into a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Um, It's also, I think, difficult because you would have to show the court quite convincing evidence. You don't have to prove your claim when you bring this claim that that that's for a full trial later down the line but you do have to show the court that actually um the the directors have acted in a way which is 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 so contrary to this that this ought to go to a full trial and it's not always going to be easy to say well actually um they should have acted in a way that was more beneficial to wider society and, and the environment whilst at the at the same time still benefiting the members those two Objectives may at times be competing. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult to bring the action and then you ultimately have to think to yourself, what if I do bring an action? What if I do succeed in court in suing the directors? Um, Any loss is going to accrue directly to the company. And that brings you to the, perhaps the most challenging hurdle when bringing a claim. Well, what is the loss? What loss is this by going down this particular route? Perhaps actually this is the route that would accrete more value to the company despite not being beneficial to wider society in the way the claimant might think. So enforcement, I think, is going to be, in that sense, is going to be tricky.
1: And I should also say that um, there is no proposal under the Better Business Act to change that and try to open up directors to be sued by these other stakeholders. It very clearly states in the wording that that is not the intention of the wording. So, so we're, we're not expecting that to change.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of yeah, listening to all of this. I sort of slightly wonder whether um, the the challenge here is either you have an enforcement regime um, that is sort of so onerous that yeah, actually who wants to be a director and and actually every director is turned into being a politician and not everybody wants to be a politician and you are also um, you, know, you run yourself the risk of court actions and with all the legal expenses obviously good lawyers are available but but yeah that's an expensive business that you don't want to be in or alternatively you have an enforcement regime that you know is not that effective and okay you have fuller minutes than you otherwise would and you have to be a little bit more careful about the wording but is it actually going to change behaviour? Am I being too, too cynical here?
1: <laughs> it, perhaps in part. Um, I suppose you, you, you are never going to be able to run a business that has no negative effects on any of these stakeholder groups. So um, at some point, lots of businesses will go through a redundancy process, for example, that obviously has a negative effect on those particular employees who are potentially going to be made redundant. However, um, if that ensures the long-term continued success of that business for the remaining employees, then arguably that's that's a decision that that is right to have been taken. There are lots of other conflicting stakeholder um, issues as well, such as in the healthcare sector, um, producing a drug that's going to save the lives of, of, of people on this planet today, might have it often has a detrimental environmental impact with use of chemicals and things like that so it, it really will be about a director at that particular point in time weighing up the pros and cons for the particular stakeholders and another thing which also adds a complication is that they are also required to um, look at the long-term effects of the decisions and 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 then you get into debates which i um i don't propose to try to to try to come to a conclusion on here what is long-term? Um, what, how far in the future should you actually try to prescribe for? So it, it, it's, it, it's very complicated. But I suppose the point I'm trying to make on this is that y- you cannot possibly run a business and not have any negative effects on any of these stakeholders. And I don't think that that is what the public or the authors of the um, Wording for the Better Business Act are trying to achieve.
2: I, I think that's right. And um, I actually think it, it's important to look at what the effect of this would likely be in practice if it were passed and I don't think this is going to generate lots of claims by shareholders <clears throat> excuse me against directors I don't see that happening um, it, it's just too difficult funding would be difficult um, what I think is more likely is this is going to generate more or would generate more intricate corporate reporting so if you look at the amendments being proposed one of the necessary consequences of amending section 172 is it's, it would change the scope of what is uh, what's called a company's section 172 statement so large companies are required every year as part of their annual report to produce a statement that sa- that explains how the directors have discharged their duty under section 172 and in particular how they've taken those various factors i described before into account when discharging that duty The draft legislation put forward by the BBA um, recognises that and remoulds that requirement to fit their proposed new wording for Section 172. That would generate more specific corporate reporting around how the directors have considered um, wider society or, or, or indeed have operated the company in a manner that benefits wider society and the environment. That approach fits much more uh, comfortably with the approach uh, to regulating companies in this respect to date. In terms of ESG uh, governance, most of this has been done by requiring companies to report on what they have done, what they intend to do in the future, be that in relation to modern slavery, uh, climate change, pay gap. Um, It's all done through reporting. Now, there is naturally criminal liability or civil liability that can attach to inaccurate reporting, um, and th- that can be established in various different ways. But the thrust of it is making companies tell investors and stakeholders and the public in general in general, what they are doing. And this would have that effect. Uh, and I think in, in practice, that is more likely to be the, the better benefit of, of something like this than you know, the ability to, to bring direct proceedings against directors.
1: Mm. I agree. And, and I also think it's right that it doesn't go so far into um, a, a situation where directors are constantly in fear of being sued. So, so I take your point, David, that it, that it might not have a direct effect of um, creating lots of, um, uh, lots of litigation and therefore, um, therefore what's the whole point of it? But, but, but however, if we scare directors into not being able to take decisions and risks, then, then we really restrict business. And I think that it's worth just noting the the, 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 the wonderful growth and progress that we've actually received to date through the, the, the company as a concept. And if we were to go so far into restricting businesses from their, their just their day-to-day operation, then we restrict growth and progress. And it's actually growth and technological innovation that we really need to kind of fight climate change effects. And, and and actually innovate ourselves out of some of the difficult situations that we that we're faced with today. Um, so so I think I think although people would criticise it for that, I think it's important that we draw the line in the right place.
0: Yeah. Now I think that's um, that's that's a very good point to conclude on. I i I'm, I have to say I remain somewhat sceptical about this initiative. Uh, and uh, you know I I. I Fear that um, you know, directors certainly won't want to be drawn into uh, some of the very very difficult sort of political decisions, if you like, and then and then being sort of assessed subsequently and held to account as to whether they've got the judgment right in terms of various trade offs. But uh, but also Dominic, the point you make about perhaps sort of greater transparency in terms of of, 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 of thinking by directors will will be out there. And um, I guess if this did happen. And I'm not sure it will, but if it if it happens, um I guess that'll be the the biggest difference, suppose right? it's sort of five, ten years' time down the down the line. We're not thinking this is going to result in a much more litigious world, but but probably one where businesses need to be much more careful setting out their thinking.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's 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 just representative of a general shift towards inclusive capitalism is a is a phrase that I often hear and um, and just a shift towards businesses being really mindful as to what their impact is on on wider stakeholders within their community and the planet.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 the initiative is responding to a perceived gap. And obviously, if that gap is filled in other ways, if, if you ultimately get to the same result, there may be no need for changes to the Companies Act, this can be achieved in different ways. Um, but yeah, I think that is very much the the target is 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 transparency so that investors can see what companies are doing in this respect and then make their decisions accordingly.
0: Very good. Rachel, Dominic, thanks very much. Thanks for listening and the latest episode of our McFarlane's Policy and Practice podcast. Thank you very much.